This podcast is brought to you by the most broke thing in New Zealand, the McDonald's ice cream machine. Because they don't like cleaning it late at night, that's why we found that out. They got uh, busted. Hey, uh, welcome to Not For Radio. Your host, Duncan Hyde, Jay Reeve. Good to be with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to play, just to give you a laugh, because those of you that have been listening to the Not For Radio podcast for a while will know a couple of times my kids sort of see me feature through messages oh, yeah. from, from Dixie. I mean, there was that time that I just had to leave because shit was teeing off. That was last week. Poo was getting spread around the house. Don't know if it was the Do- dog. Dog was eating someone else's shit. Yeah, it wasn't good. Anyway, I just got this from Dixie. Just barfing Heath and I heard the front door open, so I went out to inspect and saw Frank and Murray going down the stairs, each with a black-handled victory knife in their hands. <laughs> Gave them a serious growling voice saying, absolutely not if I ever see you with a sharp knife again, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what the fuck? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So this is what she's dealing with while I record the Not For Radio yep. podcast. She's an absolute hero. She is. You're you're incredibly lucky. We're incredibly lucky. There's such um, such strong women in our lives running the cutter for us because we'd be bumbling along and up to fuck all otherwise. Here's uh, another bit of a funny for you. This is uh, a bloke on whether or not marriage was a good deal for his mum and uh, his dad. One time I asked my dad, I was like, Dad, after 38 years, do you still love mom? And he was like, love? <laughs> Your mom married me to escape communist China. <laughs> it's a not love, it's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever gets the job done. That is, that's marriage. Because marriage is betting someone half your shit, you won't leave them. Basically. Yeah, and, and half the time you're wrong. Yeah. In New Zealand, I think the divorce rate's 50%, which is wild. Um, we t- we teased it earlier uh, in, in our radio show that we've got two stories from the weekend that I just had uh, over in Australia of about about a retired now retired Navy Australian Navy guy. Mm. Would you like to do a little coin toss or something um, to get either the almost shot in the back whilst running away from Singaporean police, or would you like because same bloke, or would you like the four floors of Hawes and Bahrain? I mean, both are intriguing. Mm. I mean, so, uh, I mean, I've, we can we can say them another day. I, well, I feel like we just do one today, yeah. and one tomorrow. Let's start with the get almost getting shot in the back. Rightio. So, so one of the boys, um, they were parked up. A naval ship was parked up in Singapore, and Julia Gillard was the prime minister at the time. So, to give you an idea of how long ago this was, and basically, she was heading over there. There's a bit of. There's always been a little bit of. A little bit of conflict, a little bit of, um, yeah, just not great times when it comes to uh, the Australian Navy being in Singapore because they kind of just run amok. Mm. Um, and so so she was over there signing an agreement, which meant that you could basically charge the US, I mean, the um, Australian sailors under the same law as Singaporean law um, because it was just as a deterrent for the to the boys not to playing up because they just make absolute fucking pigs of themselves when they were there. Yeah, okay. So the big ship's in there. And one of the boys is coming home absolutely power-steamed and uh, and they, you turn up to the wharf and you go through two levels of security. So you walk through the first the first security gate and he stumbles his way through that. He's, yeah, how's the boys? Blah, hands over his ID. They let him through. Most of these gates are generally run by Kiwi independent sort of mercenary security companies. 
goes through, gets to the second gate, and the guy at the second gate's like, you've got to go back to the first gate. They they need you back there. They've got to question you on something. He's like, oh, God, what happens here? So goes back. By this stage, um, it's not just the security forces on there. There's um, Singaporean military. And there's Shit, a, so it's escalating pretty rapidly. Oh, very quickly. And the cab that had just arrived at the checkpoint in was standing there holding like a, a, a Ziploc bag with white powder in it, which he assumed was cocaine. Mm. Now, in Singapore, if you're caught with any gear, basically, you just get popped on the spot from what I can gather. And so he's like, that's not mine. And the cab driver was going, that's him, that's him. This is He left this in my cab. He left this in my cab. And he's like, that's not mine, that's not mine. And the guy's like, okay, get it. You know, you need, we're arresting you, basically, for this. And he's like, it's not mine. And they go, get on the ground. He got on the ground. And at this point, he's hammered. And he goes, fuck, I am about 200 metres away from the ship. And once you get on to an Australian naval ship, it's Australian territory. You're no longer in Singapore. And when you're on Australian soil, you can't be taken off. And so he goes, Plus Australians love drugs, so... <laughs> Better spot to be. <laughs> Singapore sounds about hard out, <laughs> mate. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have lasted. A, he wouldn't have lasted a bugger all. He would have been dead. Hundred percent would have been dead. Uh, and so at this stage, he goes, "I'm either going to get shot, uh, or I'm going to get shot." So what fucking difference does it make? Yeah, I might it's as good well shout. I might as well just pin the ears back and high knees it. And so he just goes, "Okay, okay, okay. Let me up. Let me up." And then just classic played it so well. Just uh, a wee goosey. <laughs> no, just just got himself up off the ground. And fucking pinned it, just high knees, just went whistling off down the thing. Campees, they will score! <laughs> stop, 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 we're going to shoot. And he just went whistling straight past the second thing, put on a little bit of a goosey, a little bit of a head wave. And the guys at the second one were Kiwi guys, and they're kind of like, ah, I don't want to shoot this Australian Navy guy. Like, this is just, this is just bug it, you know? This, I don't want to be, I don't want that on my hands. I'm just here to check some IDs. And so they kind of almost dropped their weapons as he went past so that he kind of knew that they were letting him go and he whistled off up the gangway and onto the ship. Cops, fucking everybody turns up now and they're like, get off the ship, we're going to deport you. Um, We're going to basically charge you. Julia Gillard's like, fuck, out of all the weekends, I'm here doing this and you just blow this whole thing to smithereens. So she goes, you can get into my car with me, go to the airport and you basically transit with me because you're not clearing customs, you are off the ship into my car and then onto my private jet and then back to Australia. Um, and, or you stay on the ship and you basically never, ever, ever set foot in Singapore again. He's like, I'll take option number two. I'm staying with the fucking boys. <laughs> and so he he's going to be an icy trip with the old Julia Gillard if you took yeah. option one. He stayed on the ship and then the Singaporean government tried to impound the Australian ship to not let them leave until they got this guy off. They were stuck at port for ages. Um, <laughs> and then he got back. I feel like with a, big, a rig that big, you slap it in reverse, push whatever is behind you out of the way, away you go. Man, it's loaded up with freaking massive shells. Boy, yeah, like it's, it's a not fucking round ship. It's a massive one. Anyway, so he's basically, he's telling my mate who's in the Navy the story, and he's like, yeah, not many people can say they've got a fucking bullet waiting for them in Singapore when they turn up next. <laughs> and that is how we thought of it. <laughs> and my mate who's who was friends with him in the Navy was like, I've been friends with him the entire time I've been in the Navy, which is 16 years, and I'm pretty fucking sure that it was his bag. <laughs> <laughs> and he was too hammered to remember that he got it. Shit. And left it in the cab. 
Would you have you get a bullet over the air? Say you just had like I don't know, freaking couple of grams. Oh, you chuck chewing gum on the ground. You basically go to jail. Yeah, we live in a good country, don't we? <laughs> pretty good here. It's pretty sweet when there's zero drugs in the country. <laughs> Not for radio. Okay, speaking of crimes, this is a gnarly one. This is a mafia member having a chat, just kind of explaining how he got someone to talk and what he had to do, and his methods are unusual, to say the least. How do you really torture somebody? Like, like Explain the process. I'll tell you, to- I, I, I'll tell you this particular process. Um, I, put, I had my friend get in the driver's seat. I got in the back seat, and I put the driver in the front passenger seat behind me, with me behind him. I had a, a roll of duct tape, a knife, and a pistol. I started cutting his face open and then just duct taping it closed because he was bleeding a lot. So I would ask him, and he didn't want to give up who had set my friend up. So I cut his eyebrow off, uh, duct taped it closed, pulled the do-rag over it, tied it tight, duct taped that. Then I started strangling him with the um, the seatbelt until he was about to pass out. Strangling him got me more than cutting him. And then he told us, and um, I kicked him out of the moving car. We were doing about 20 miles an hour. I kicked him out of the car, and that broke his leg, and that's why the police ever found him because he had to get an ambulance on the side of the highway. But ultimately, he told them, I'm not cooperating, and he went back to California, and he kept his mouth shut. <laughs> wow. You just don't think that that happens, eh? You just, we, I mean, that probably happens in New Zealand. I mean, as long as you keep your mouth shut, you could have some of that horrific shit happen to you, and you could come out of it sweet. But like, you've still got to go to the hospital and get stitched up. Old mate's not going to have an eyebrow. This question's going to be asked for the rest of his life. <laughs> Your missus has got tattooed eyebrows. They don't quite look the same. <laughs> no, but not... Imagine not, trying to tip a tattooed eyebrow versus my one. Mine are thick as. But not to mention that you turn back up to your group of friends and they go, you're missing an eyebrow, you've got a broken leg, you've got cuts all over your face, and you've got bruises all over your neck, and they let you go. Yeah, should have seen the other guy. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, okay, mate, come around here, bang, bang. <laughs> then you get just, just popped by your own mates. Um, or just say you're on a stag do. <laughs> Very believable. Same injuries happen on stag do's all mate, the time. It's not one of those bloody scooters, you know, the high ones, and just didn't put the helmet on. Just quickly back, I mean, we, we might have chatted about this before, but it is one of the most gnarly yarns. The Iceman killer, Richard Kuklinski. Kuklinski, yeah. Yeah, he was a mafia uh, hitman for four of the um, crime families um, in New York, I believe it was, in the 80s, 70s and 80s, and just worked as a contract killer and would just go where the work was. Killed over 100 people or something. That's what they reckon. And the worst one was a rich person wanted this person gone and he got paid, I think it was like 100 grand for doing it, but wanted proof. So he decided to go out and buy a video camera and then take this um, person that needed to be killed up into the hills, into a cave, had a tin bucket, set the tripod up, uh, also had a rat from a pet store and a blowtorch and then pinned the guy down on his back, started filming, um, put the rat inside the tin bucket and then heated up the bucket with a blowtorch. And then the, eventually the rat goes, oh, it's pretty shit in here, it's quite hot, I'm going to eat my way out. And that's how that person died. And then he just turned up and gave the uh, video to the VHS tape to the rich person, got paid his 100 grand. He lasted way longer than what he should have, eh? Yeah. I, he got sloppy at the end, from what I remember. Um, he definitely um, 
yeah, he let some other people in to help him out or something like that and should have, but it's just one of the most crookest, psychopathic killers ever, but it's an unreal read. Yeah, just once again, those people just cannot be fixed, you know, like nah, that. It's... He arrived there through, you know, like domestic abuse and alcoholism within his household. But, I mean, that is that is a horrific level to be operating in and for any child to grow up in. But to get from there to where he got, that's just someone just, un, like, you know, just didn't put the circuit board in properly. And then you go as well, uh, he's, you know, he's a psychopath because he's running dual lives. So his family live in a reasonably nice home, um, but his family just think dad goes off to work and he's got kids and shit. And then work as the, the grimmest shit ever. Like he'll be chopping someone up and, you know, putting them in a concrete, uh, filling up a hole full of cement with the body parts of it. And then he'll just be like, clean up. Hey, honey, how's your dad's school? Just like that transition yeah. was seamless. Yeah. Yeah, Dad, you're smelling a little bit bleachy again. Ah, you know. <laughs> you know, I hate germs. <laughs> COVID. No. Um, so anyway, give the Iceman a uh, Google if you want to just Be completely read disturbed. Gnarliest shit ever. Motherfucker, not for radio. What should we... Arnold Schwarzenegger, who wants some motivation for a Monday? Yes. Okay. This is only Schwarzenegger. It's Chattanooga. Tuesday. Oh, we whatever. This will probably be Wednesday by the time it's released because uh, tech producer Caleb has COVID, not COVID, which is that one that's actually worse than COVID for a lot of people. You know that gnarly flu yeah. that's going around that's rickrolling people, but you can't test positive. Um, so, yeah, feeling for him, but he won't be putting this out for a couple of days. Um, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger chatting to that um, Jake, what's his name, the YouTube boxer? Yeah. Jake uh, Hall or whatever. No, not Hall. What's his name? Jake. Paul. Jake, Jake Paul. Paul. Thank yep. you, Showboss Teagues and Areas. Um, and quite interesting. Um, and how simple Arnold Schwarzenegger makes this answer. And it seemed he makes it seem like a stupid question. But I, I grew a little bit of respect and it's a good insight for Arnie Schwarzenegger. You've done it all. Why do you still come to the gym? You know, 75 years old, I mean you, you, you did the Mr. Universe. Well, for the same reason, uh, you know. We talked about that. For the same reason as why am I having breakfast today? I had breakfast yesterday. I had breakfast ten years ago. Why am I still having breakfast? Right? It's like a, it's part oh, of your day. Why am I still sleeping? Right, right, right. I slept five, twenty years ago. I slept ten years ago. So I'm still sleeping. Every, it's so every night. it's so rooted in who you are. Exactly. So, so it's the same as with training. Training is part of my life. It's that simple. Nothing will ever change until I die. I will be working out and I will be having a great time in the gym. And I will be getting the pump, and I, I, and I, want, I want to feel good, you know. And like I said, it's tough enough as it is with the, when you get older, but you have to hold on as much as you can, and you have to still watch what you eat and all of those kind of things. So it's it's all good. No cream puffs. And you know what's the greatest thing? Cream puffs. The greatest thing is no, no cream puffs. Well, that is great too, <laughs> but that we are in America. That we're in America. I don't know why. A bit of weird audio there. Anyway, let me get the picture. Um, the the story of how he came about is massively impressive too. When he was a young buck and where he grew up uh, in Austria and how he became who he is, and how when he when he travelled to the states and how he went into the gym and the people that he met with and how he developed his own techniques to sort of build different muscle groups up and the, it was real like full prison style stuff. I just remember watching, I think there's a documentary on him. And I remember watching him being like, 
this is my breakfast. And he's got like 480 <laughs> eggs in the blender and he doesn't even blend them and just started chugging them down. I was like, oh my God. No wonder he got massive. He's eating so many chicken periods. He's got that real pesty bit in that film where he basically... He grabs a carrot and puts hummus on it and jams it in that chick's mouth and does it in such a disturbing way. I was like, man, Arnie's the man. He's one of those real clean, cool go- Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. I'd hate to see his search says- history. It'd be absolutely abysmal. And then when he says when he gets the pump, which is when your muscles are all pumped up in the gym, it feels like, I'm coming. <laughs> I'd come all day long and all day night. It's like, fuck, calm down, man. <laughs> shit. Um, That's why you won't need so many eggs. (laughs) Protein replacement. Um, We've got a list of, and actually two list of messages today. Not for radio. With Jay and Dunk. Caden Harding, don't know if he'll hear it. I'm on the way to pick him up. Just want to do a shout out to my five-year-old son, T-Tay the Battler. Fell over at school last Wednesday, hurt his shoulder. Didn't think much of it as he was still playing around the next day. Four days later, he's saying it's still sore. Went to the doctors and, ah, shit, broken collarbone. Little soldier battled on for four days like it was nothing. His 30-year-old uncle broke um, his over Easter and he still hasn't stopped whinging about it, the little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a good one from AJ. Yes, amazing one from AJ. So I can beat all your nickname stories. My husband and I lived in Port Moresby PNG for four years. Fucking hectic place. Great, but fucking hectic place. First off, he played in a tennis club called the Long Long Docks, which is pigeon for mad, mad dogs, uh, because you had to be mad crazy to play tennis in Port Moresby. Every Sunday at 1 p.m., I used to say it was a drinking club with a bad case of tennis. (laughs) When initiated, every new member got a nickname, which you were forever known by. You had to be invited to join. There were the usual names, such as one guy, um, Mark, was called Skid, the origins of uh, the origin of Jugs, Bambi, Scoot, Father, and Skippy. I don't know, <laughs> but my own husband was bestowed the most horrendous of names. The first week week he played, he shared an unfortunate tale of an act performed by those that that way inclined. For the life of me, I cannot explain why he shared this particular information. I believe just to outshock his fellow players and vulgarity stakes. But it ended up haunting him for our entire stay. <laughs> he became known as Dr. Felch for his felching story. Oh, no. After a couple of years, it softened to just the doctor, and many new expats referred to him as doctor, thinking he was a real doctor. <laughs> it was hilarious to reveal the origin of his doctorate to suspe- un- unsuspecting newbies. When they had official functions like the eight-hour Bear Olympics or send-offs, they wore club shirts. His with Dr. Felch emblazoned on the back. I wasn't sad to leave that behind. Unreal. Dunk, for those people that don't know, maybe T- um, Showboss Tegan, you yeah. can just, because you know this sort of carry on. Um, give us, give us the. Chuck, chuck the headphones with the microphone back yeah. on. Um, I don't, I don't want to comment. Why don't you just read that? the Urban Dictionary definition? Okay. Do you know, um, I actually saw this message and had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's grim shit that I haven't heard anybody even say the word for like 10 years, I don't reckon. Oh, guys, work is blocked. Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Oh, hold on. I'll see if I can do it. Hold on. Let me turn on my mobile data. One moment, please. Do you sit here just rinsing the company Wi-Fi? Me? Yeah. Yeah, what do you mean? I don't think I can get on the Wi-Fi. Well, no, you can. You just refuse to cave into adding the work profile onto your phone. Yeah, no. Fuck that, mate. Hold on. Can't get your work emails at home. They can't get you. Urban Dictionary. No, I've got it for you. Okay. Okay. Felching. (laughs) 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 The act of... (laughs) 
the act of sucking semen from any human orifice, e.g. anus, vagina. It can be done with a drinking straw when semen is deep inside the rectum. Would you like it in a sentence? Please. I'll give it to you anyway. Horace has enjoyed his anal intercourse session with Bertie so much that he decided to felt his own semen from Bertie's anus. And that was an entry from the end of January 2004. There you go. Bloody nice. There you go. If you don't yes. know, now you know, Ninja. <laughs> Bloody good. Thanks, uh, Showboss Teagues. Uh, we're going to leave you with Paul McCartney explaining who his favourite guitarist of all time to is. Felchers. No. No, 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 no. When Sir Paul McCartney. Who is your favorite guitarist of all time? Um, Jimi Hendrix, uh, I think. You know, it's got to be Jimi. Oh, man. Great guy. Pretty good pals, weren't you? Yeah, well, I knew him a little bit because he, he kind of got discovered over here, really, even though he'd, he'd been working a long time in America. I think I was possibly at one of his first gigs down a place called The Bag of Nails, which is a club I used to go to, actually, where I met Linda. He just sort of shambled on stage one night, and we, we didn't, never used to really bother with the live acts. We used to be more interested in the records. The, the live acts weren't always that good. But um, he had these very big amps, and we were wondering what he was going to do with them, you know. Suddenly, this And we just, ah! And there weren't many people there that night, but then I think a couple of nights later, he played again, and everyone was there. You know, there was like me, Townsend, Clapton. Or like paying homage already to this man. Yeah. Amazing, eh? He's a, he's a cool ass dude. I'm going to play for you my favorite Jimi Hendrix track, and it's off the, I think it's like the, the Jimi Hendrix Experience re released or remastered or something like that. And this is the extended version of a song called Third Stone from the Sun. And I just happened, uh, I was overseas, an incredibly baked line on my back in a hammock, and happened, this song happened to come on. I'd never heard it before. And it's funny because Jimi Hendrix is clearly incredibly baked as well. And <laughs> so you felt like you're having a conversation with him through music. I felt like I was in the um, studio with him. So just uh, if you can, wherever you're listening, close your eyes and have a listen to Baked Jimmy just having fun in the studio. Starfleet to scout ship, please give your position. Over. I am in orbit around the third planet of star known as Sun. Over. May this be Earth. Over. Positive. It is known to have some form of intelligent species. Over. I think we should take a look. You're getting all that, Jimmy. Strange, beautiful grass of green with your majestic silver seas. Your mysterious mountains I'd wish to see closer. May I land my kinky machine? Although your world wonders me with your majestic and superior cackling hen, your people I do not understand, so to you I shall put an end. <laughs> and you never hear surf music again. That sounds like a lie to me. <laughs> Come on, man, let's go home. 
from all that weird talking, there's not really a lot of talking in the song. So cool. Like I've sprinkled through it about mm. seven minutes fifty. This song mainly instrumental. Uh, I only recently found out that he was uh, part Cherokee Indian, and that his yeah. grandmother is full-blooded Cherokee Indian, and that's who he spent quite a lot of his time with growing up. Wow. Yeah. So when he wore that, when he wore what he wore at Woodstock, everyone's like, "Man, that's kind of cool." It's basically just him wearing his own culture. Got one out of Dad's closet. At 27 years old, imagine the body of work that could have been created given in another 10 years. Yeah, that's frightening. Absolutely frightening. Complete opposite to us. Yeah. I, don't think I've, I don't think I've done anything in that in the 10 years between then and now. Hey, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, a bit of a random one today, but hopefully you enjoyed Not For Radio. We'll be uh, back doing Not For Radio tomorrow. Share it around, your mates. Slide to their DMs. Let what? us know where you are listening from. It was interesting running into a whole bunch of people at the footy on uh, on Saturday in Sydney. Uh, to all of those uh, great Australian lads and lasses that I ran into and uh, grabbed some pics with. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, but great to have you with us. It was pretty funny to see people know or recognising us in a different country. Pretty classic. Pretty weird. Uh, whatever you're up to for the remainder of your day, have an absolute cracker. Keep smiling. You're doing well. <laughs> <laughs>